0: Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Praise God, praise God, praise God from whom all blessings flow. What an opportunity it is to be here today. I've been part of uh, North Bible Church since it was North Point, since Craig Douglas used to unpack the truck over at at, uh, Horizon High School, and who would have thought that 15 or 18 years later, I'd be standing before you today, uh, sharing with you the gospel. It is a great, great privilege to do that. I said praise God from whom all blessings flow, because today's topic is part of the series, which is the five one things, and the one thing that I'm gonna talk to you about today is don't miss the moment, and I say that praise God from whom all blessings flow because as I was gathering data for for what the Lord might want to share with me, I was at the uh, swearing-in ceremony of all the statewide elected officials and the first Chinese-American statewide elected official in the history of the country uh, stood up before 3,000 people and the first thing she said was, praise God from whom all blessings flow. And it was because... 30 or 40 years earlier, probably 50 years earlier, my math is right, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and in Phoenix, Arizona, Caucasian missionaries reached out to the Chinese working class communities in those two towns and brought them the word of Christ. And they didn't miss the moment. And so her parents knew about Jesus and told her, and she rose to the level of statewide elected official, state treasurer, and started out by not missing the moment to say, praise God, from whom all blessings flow. It's an amazing thing. You know, then I'm, I'm looking on Facebook uh, Christmas Day, maybe Christmas Eve, and I see this post from a mom that says, said, uh, my daughter, my four-year-old said, mommy, mommy, get your phone. I have something special for you. And this is what she recorded for her mommy. See, she did not miss this moment to let the Holy Spirit work through her. And it was amazing to her mother that her daughter would do that. And she posted it on Facebook. And I knew that mom. And I called her up and I said, hey, can I use that for a sermon I'm going to preach on? Don't miss the moment. And that is Mila DelarTino up there. And Mila has not been dedicated yet. And I asked her mom, I said, has Mila been dedicated? She goes, no. And neither has uh, uh, McKinley or Madison. And so at 1045, they're going to be here having their daughter. Megan, the mother, and Marcus, the father, are having their three daughters dedicated right here at North Bible Church because we didn't miss the moment, huh? Isn't that pretty cool? So give them a big hand. That's awesome. Praise God for that. All right, our reading today is from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. This is the story of Martha and Mary. And I've already been warned by Sherry Campbell. Take it easy on Martha, because we need Marthas in this world. Um, And not just Sherry, but other people warn me, but I'll I'll call her out at this moment. Now, as they went their way, Jesus entered a village. So Jesus was with the disciples, and the village we later learned is Bethany. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. The first important not miss the moment is to welcome the God of the universe into your house. So praise Martha for that, right? She was the one that recognized and invited Jesus into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Just like Aaron's song, which was so apropos, Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. But Martha was distracted with much serving. This is the ESV version, but the NLT version says Martha was distracted making dinner And she went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered to her. And this in the the hermeneutics of Martha, Martha is in the most tender and loving way. It was not an admonition. It was not a correction. It was just lovingly saying, Martha, my dear, Martha, Martha, You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her. So I want to just tell you one thing about this verse before I I go through the the application of it. The first thing I want to say about it is that, that this verse, this section is sandwiched between the two most important relational chapters uh, in the New Testament. This is kind of like the Big Mac of relationship. So imagine that this is the middle of the Big Mac, not two all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun, but, but something much more spectacular than that. Because the beef before, the beef before this section is the story of the lawyer, no offense to my profession, who came up to Jesus and said, Lord, how do I get eternal life? And Jesus said, what did Moses say? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to that lawyer, then do that. And the lawyer being inquisitive said, well, who is my neighbor? And then that's where we hear the story of the good Samaritan. And Jesus articulates there relationally who the neighbor is. So the top part of this sandwich is all about the relationship with loving God and loving others. And then below this verse, what do we have? Below this verse, we have the story of how to pray to God. In Luke 11, the disciples say, Lord, how do we talk to God? And that's where we get the Lord's Prayer. We get the six things you do to talk to God. The first three are talking to God, praising him, uh, acknowledging him as your holy father, and the final three things are what the application is our, in our life. Give us a, our day, our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then they go on in that later in that passage, and Jesus then says... Here's how you pray. Here's how you connect. Here's how you build relationship with your Father by being persistent. And that's where you hear the verses of ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be open to you. You see, sandwiched in between, that is the story of Mary and Martha. And we think to ourselves, wow, why did this come up? Why does Jesus, why does Luke, why, do, why do, do the disciples, why do the gospel writers say, you got to tell this story? Well, I think it's a couple of reasons. The first reason I think it is, is because Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus became some of Jesus' best friends. Yeah, we have disciples, right? Disciples are the guys that were working for Jesus every day. Sure, they were friends too, But then he had friend friends who cared about him, who fed him. We know that Martha and Mary and uh, Lazarus were people of means. We know they had the ability to host. And this particular day, remember, Martha is making dinner for 13 at least. She's got the 12 disciples and Jesus, plus her sister who's not doing anything. And... And her brother, Lazarus, who's probably not doing anything either, but because he was a guy, he got a pass. In my house, that doesn't happen anymore. And so the, the, the joy of this moment is that, that God wants us to know that Martha was special because she invited him and his disciples into her house. And he wants us to know that what Mary was doing was special because she, what she was doing was eternal. What she was doing was listening at the feet of the Lord. And Martha and Mary are not doing things that are mutually exclusive, right? Think about this. You got to have Marthas, right? When Bob Fry was at my house fixing my roof the other day, he, he was working on the roof. We talked about God too, but, but Bob still needed to get up on the roof and work on the roof. It needed to happen. So Jesus isn't saying that, hey, one thing is better than the other, but both are important. It's just at that moment, he didn't want Martha to miss the moment. Um, the, uh, the, the, the story of Martha and Mary doesn't just end there. The story of Martha and Mary goes through the rest of the New Testament. You see, after this, we hear the story of Jesus hearing from Martha that... Um, that uh, her brother Lazarus was really sick and was going to die. Jesus takes his time getting there and Martha says, Lord, where have you been? My brother's already dead. And then she realized that she was talking to the God of the universe that she was talking to the Lord, that she was talking to her Savior and and she said, but Lord, you know that you can heal him and I do too. And Jesus, of course, raised Lazarus from the dead. Then we get further in the New Testament to six days before Jesus is accused and crucified. And in that time period, six days before, they're again at Martha and Mary's house. And Mary is taking very expensive ointment and she is putting it on Jesus' feet as to anoint him as a king. And so these people were really important in Jesus' life, and the disciples knew it. And that's why they're in the Bible. Now, we know that from that time on, that when Caiaphas and the religious leaders wanted Jesus crucified, they, they said, not only do we want him gone because he's done this miracle with Lazarus that everybody's talking about, but we want Lazarus dead too. But somehow, Jesus saved Lazarus from that. He didn't die, and he went on. In the Eastern Church, the tradition is, he went on to the island of Crete to uh, pronounce the Great Commission and preach the gospel. In the Western Church, the theory is that he ended up in Marseille, France, and preached the gospel. But this family went from hospitality to friendship to devotion to being fully developed, fully devoted disciples of Christ. So there are five things that I want to talk to you about in this one five thing that we are going to talk about today. So uh, Larry uh, talked on the first sermon in this series about basically Philippians saying, let's forget the past and focus on the future. And then last week, he talked about the rich, young ruler. What was the one thing? Basically, surrender. Give up all the idols you have in front of Jesus and follow Jesus. And today, the one thing is not to miss the moment. So I have five moments not to miss that I want to illustrate for you that are the five things of the one thing of the five things, if you're following me. So first of all, if you open up your bulletin, the the folks here were nice enough to put that in your bulletin so you can follow along with John. And number one is to invite Jesus into your life. And if we go back to that verse on Mary and Martha, what did Martha do first? She invited Jesus into her house. We know that salvation only comes from inviting Jesus Christ into our life. And that is the beginning of all relationship with him the second thing is to build that relationship with Christ and once you have accepted Jesus into your life then it's time to start building that relationship if I invite a friend into my house our house is full of friends right now we have family from out of town in town and and our house is full of of folks wouldn't it be great if I invited them in the house and then just ignored them Or gave them orders like, hey, by the way, now that you're in my life, I could use a new Porsche. (laughs) That would be terrible. No, no, just like with them, it's the same with Jesus. He wants to build a complete relationship with you. He says in this verse, Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. And I do believe that that good portion is that relationship she is listening intently to what he has to say. She is building friendship and relationship with him. It is ironic, but not ironic if you, if you learn systematic theology. But it is ironic that you can go back to the Old Testament and find this in the Old Testament. Because I believe that Jesus helped write that Old Testament. We know God did, right? And we know that they are part of all that is said in the Old Testament. And if we go to Psalm... 16, five and six, we can see where it is said, and this is David, it's called a, a mictem of David. Mictim is a word that nobody knows what the definition is. David did six of them and he entitled them that, but we don't know what that word means. Even, even the Hebrews don't know what it means. But we know that it comes up six times and we know it's, almost in a, it's always in a time where David is lamenting. Things are crappy. The chips are down. But he says, the Lord is my chosen portion. And what did Jesus say to Mary has chosen the good portion? And my cup, you hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have beautiful inheritance. So we know that it's more than just accepting Christ into our life. That's how we get salvation. That's how we get into heaven. That's how we get eternal life, and darn, that is important. But there's more to the story, and that is how do we build relationship with the one who came down to relate to us? The third thing that I don't want you to miss is to love and serve others. Boy, we heard it today. I couldn't have been more apropos uh, to hear the stories of the work that you're doing, that we're doing here at North Bible Church. You know we support Fuel the Mission. Fuel the Mission is uh, Chris and Janet Nevins' um, uh, Holy Spirit inspired ministry that helps kids and families and children and young girls all over the world. And in India, if you remember, we helped build a soccer complex. We all helped build a soccer complex there for kids who were so poor that many, if not most, lived in the landfill. You know, 30 million people call the landfill home in India. And a thousand of those kids every week come to this place to put on a soccer uniform. They come to this place to play soccer, learn about Jesus, be fed, and be educated well those players started getting pretty good and uh, those players started getting really good and Xavier called up one day and he said John he goes our players are getting good enough that they can play professionally but because they are untouchables in the we can do caste system um, they can't uh, play unless we have a our own professional team and I'm like Xavier Gosh, how much does it cost to buy a professional team? He said, oh, it's really expensive. It's like $16,000. So we went and bought a professional team. And so this is the Cadiz Football Club. And they are 1-0 as far as I know. Um, And Xavier is coaching back there. You see him. And these young men are all professional soccer players in Chennai, India. Chennai, by the way, where Thomas, the disciple, Uh, was ultimately martyred, but went farther than any other disciple in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. So isn't it cool that we, as a church, love and serve others, and sometimes we do it through KFC, the KFC football club. (laughs) By the way, if any of you have any contacts with Kentucky Fried Chicken, I'm looking for a sponsor. (laughs) So we could call it, I'm happy to change it to the KFC team. The fourth thing is proclaim his name and witness him. Okay, so now we have invited Jesus into our life. We've built a relationship with Christ. We are taking these tools to love and serve others. And now we don't want to miss the moment to proclaim his name and to witness. And that happens in small ways, and it happens in big ways. And you get a chance every single day. You will have the chance today to proclaim his name and to witness. You will have the chance tomorrow to do it. It will be whether you're at lunch, whether you're talking to a waiter, whether you see somebody downtrodden, whether it's somebody sitting next to you today. There is somebody to love, to proclaim Jesus' name to and to witness. And here's how I do it. I tell him my story. And that's all you have to do, is tell him your story. You're all sitting here for a reason. I'm thinking you love Jesus. And there's a reason that you love Jesus. And some set of circumstances got you to this point to love Jesus. Share that. Churches only get bigger when we share. Churches only get bigger when you share and witness. And so in little ways, when you have that opportunity to do that, do that. Sometimes, though, you'll have that opportunity to do it on a very, 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 very big stage. Um, we have a couple of professional athletes in this, uh, in this room today, and I won't call them out. But I know that they have a heart for Christ, and I know that they share that heart for Christ with others. And I was watching the national championship uh, game in college football, and my team was not in it, so I wasn't particularly rooting for Alabama or Clemson. But Clemson won, and they won decidedly. There was no doubt. And after that was over, Dabo Sweeney the minute, so the minute the game's over, and he walks across the field and he shakes the hand, he gets that first ESPN uh, microphone in his face, and this is what he says. Yeah, <laughs> praise God, right, give it a hand. That, that uh, th- those three uh, statements were five statements that he made about God in about a two minute interview. And I edited, I had Aaron, thank you, Aaron, edit three of those together so that you could see them one right after another. Given the biggest stage in the world on that night, the first thing he said was praise Jesus. And then he talked about God. You see, Dabo Sweeney is a great story because he is a guy that always had the Holy Spirit in his heart. And as his faith developed, he always leaned on God. His father left him and his mother when he was a teenager. They foreclosed on his house, they lost his house. His mother and him, as a teenager going to high school, were bouncing around different places, motels, getting kicked out. He was homeless at times, and he still went to school, still got A's, and still was a star wide receiver on the football team. And then when he went to college, he wanted to go to Alabama, and he went to college and he tried to walk on, the team, so there's no scholarship to go to college, but he was able to work and get enough money to get an apartment with a friend, and he invited his mother to move in with him because she didn't have a home, and they shared the one bedroom and the one bathroom uh, with each other, and he didn't care that it was strange that his mother was living with him. He didn't care. He just knew that's what he needed to do, and his mother always testifies about Debo that he never was negative. He said, God has a plan, and I know he has a plan, and I'm following God's plan. And so he ultimately walked on the football team at Alabama and made the team, and he had like two plays his junior year, but Gene Stallings felt sorry for the guy and gave him a scholarship, and he ultimately played in the national championship game and got to be a star in that game. Isn't that awesome? And he praised God after that. But then he wanted a coach, and he lost his job. He got fired at Alabama as an assistant coach, and he was selling real estate for two years, and he said, look, God has a plan. And he became an assistant coach at uh, Clemson and ultimately went on to beat Alabama in the national championship two years ago and do it again, leaving no doubt, I think it was 44 to 14 was the score of the national championship. And remember, all year it was, can anybody beat Alabama, when reality is, could anybody beat Clemson, right? But at his press conference, I w- with all that knowledge you have right now, this is what he said at the press conference right after the, the, the national championship victory uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And if Dabo Sweeney can do it, why can't you? Why can't you proclaim his name, even if it's not on a national stage or a local stage, but next door or down the street? or at work. The fifth thing that I want you to talk about is, or to talk to you about is, don't miss the moment to coach and lead your friends into relationship with Christ, into service and love for others. And why that is so important is because I'm sure that the success of, of Debo Sweeney is not just because of his proclamation after he won, the national championship, but the work that he did with his students before that. You know, Clemson got sued because he was preaching the gospel to his players. And Clemson, which is a public university, fought that lawsuit and won. And Dabo Sweeney said, Dabo Sweeney said, I am not changing how I do this. In fact, those guys say the Lord's Prayer before they walk out onto the campus. They pray, prayer walk the parking lot before they walk into the locker room. They call that the tiger walk. All of those amazing things are happening because he's coaching and leading and in my life that happened too i've had wonderful i was thinking about it the other day i put down a list of about 70 people in my life that have been unbelievable coaches and leaders in my life bringing me every time a step closer to jesus i got a picture of some of my favorites uh, but these aren't, this is an exclusive. That's my dad. He's 92. That's my son, Alex. All of you know him. Oh, no, no, don't, don't, don't go on to him yet. One at a time. Okay, thank you. That's my dad. He's 92. And uh, he's the one that really introduced me to Christ as a young boy. And my stepmother, after my parents got divorced when I was seven, and uh, when I was in high school, next slide, my stepmother, Elizabeth, she's on your right. Um, helped guide me through some really tough times in high school and continue to bring me closer to Christ. And in the middle is Jacob, uh, who you might might know our son. And then when I was in fifth grade, so my parents got divorced and we came here to Arizona, and uh, I was a troubled kid even in fourth grade, but in fifth grade, my parents put me in Scottsdale Christian Academy. And so next slide. I don't have a picture of me then, but that's Jacob, Scottsdale Christian Academy, mentoring a little kindergarten feller that was his reading buddy at SCA. The cool thing about Scottsdale Christian, and this is not an advertisement for them, is God put five people in my life that brought me to Christ. That's where I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And that's where the journey began from step one to where I am now, which is step five that we're going through today. Um, Now, in this church, the two people that have been most influential in my walk with Christ is, number one, not in any particular order, actually it's in reverse order, but the first one I'll mention is Chris Nevins. And I talked about Chris, right? That's Chris on the left. Um, I talked about Chris and his work with Fuel the Mission, but boy is he Christ-like. If any of you know him, he walks with the Lord and he teaches by example me how to walk humbly with the Lord and to do the Lord's work. And the other person that I wanna highlight is Larry Anderson, who um, has not only been a great pastor to me, he's a pastor's pastor. This guy goes all over town because pastors seek him out to pastor them. So you're, not, you're very lucky here to have him being your pastor. So I, I graduated from uh, Fuller Theological Seminary, got an ordination from them, and then I'm uh, getting a second master's at Phoenix Seminary and at phoenix seminary you have to have a pastor mentor and mine is larry and so larry spends a ton of time with me teaching and mentoring me to go that next step to be a coach and a leader of my friends into christ and then of course there's another guy that reminds me a little bit of larry and that is mr rogers And and I I, I did ask for a a picture with a cardigan sweater, but apparently they couldn't find one there. But Mr. Rogers, don't laugh, He, he is an amazing, amazing man. When I was going through tough times as a little kid and my parents were getting divorced and I was seven years old, it was Mr. Rogers who was on TV teaching me how loved I was, how much I was cared for, how much God loved me. You know, it's Mr. Rogers' neighborhood because your job is to what? Love your neighbor, right? He was a Presbyterian pastor that started that show. And when I was in law school at Duquesne University in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, I was at the Sixth Presbyterian Church because they had them one through 18. Um, And at the Sixth Presbyterian Church, I sat down for the first time and this, this man and his family came in and he turned to me and he said, hello neighbor, and it was Mr. Rogers. And so I got to know Fred Rogers. And one thing that Fred Rogers would do is he would say to his audiences when he was in speaking, he would say, there is somebody in your life that loved you so much, that cared about you so deeply, and I would say that brought you to Christ. And I want you, and this is what Fred would say, to close your eyes and think for a minute about that person and then thank God for that person in your life. We're not going to do a minute because that is a grueling amount of time, but we're going to do 20 seconds. I just want you for 20 seconds to close your eyes and think about that one person in your life, and it might be multiple people who loved you so much and cared about you so much and brought you into relationship with Christ, starting now. I want you to consider if that person is still alive to call them today or to talk to them today and tell them, thank you for the impact you've had on my life. And if they're not alive, thank God for the impact that they have had on your life. You see, Mary and Martha were not off the mark at all, neither of them in what they were doing. They were intentional about being hospitable to the Lord of the universe. They were intentional about listening to them. And they both grew to know and love his greatness. And they took that and used that information to proclaim his name and to witness to him, to coach and to lead others throughout the Mediterranean to be followers of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is the way in which God reached down to us. He is the way in which God reached down to us. So there's a slide. There we go. (laughs) And he reached down to us, right? And he wants us to reach to others. And when we do that, when we do that, we not only build and connect in relationship with him, but we connect in relationship with others, bringing them to him as well. So I'm going to pray a prayer. If you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is going to be your chance. So you just listen to me and and make them your words. And then I'm going to pray for all of us as we get closer and closer to being witnesses for Jesus and witnesses and coaches and leaders for Christ. So let us pray. Lord, we love you so much. You are the Lord of our lives. Please, Lord, right now, we ask that you come into my life, into our lives. That you are in relationship with us. That we invite you into our life. Please, Lord, we ask that you forgive us for our sins. That you are in relationship with us, Lord. Teach us to love and to serve others. To proclaim your name and to witness for you. And to be awesome coaches, and leaders of people into relationship with Jesus Christ, you, our Lord and Savior. It's in your name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.